Howdy, y'all. You guys already know that you can ease aches, pains, inflammation, and arthritis with Cosmetics CBD Hemp Pain Cream. But did you know that Cosmetic also makes a CBD-infused tattoo balm? Protect your body art with the healing properties of CBD and Cosmetics' patented water-soluble CBD formula. Cosmetic is not just a luxury CBD skincare brand. They're also proud partners with I Equals Change an organization that helps brands give back to causes that they believe in. Every time you shop with Cosmetic, they donate a dollar to one of their favorite charities. You choose which one of the three you want it to go to. Donations are sent to one of those three carefully selected projects, which mainly focus on women and girls' empowerment. When you shop with Cosmetic, you shop for a cause. Visit Cosmedicated.com, that's C-A-U-S-E, Medicated.com, and be kind to your skin. All right, it's podcast time. All right, welcome in, y'all. South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. I am the host of this podcast, and I'm glad that you're here. Bet there's a lot of new listeners out there today uh, who are here to check out my man, Ryan Stasic. Ryan is the bass player for Umphreys McGee. He's got a newer band called Doom Flamingo, and he's got a number of other projects that uh, he's involved in that we talk about here on the podcast. Uh, this was an awesome chat for me, and I owe it to a couple of my dear friends, uh, Shay Ramsey and Nick Spar, for getting me hooked up with Stasic and for helping make this happen. Uh, I'd met Ryan once before on the rooftop bar at the uh, Farragut building here in Knoxville before an Umphrey show, but this was the first time that he and I had really sat down and had any time of any kind of real extended conversation. So the way it happened is I knew I was going to be in Charleston, Isle of Palms more specifically, with my family. Uh, on our family beach trip that we take every year. And I knew that that was kind of close to where Ryan lived. And I knew I kind of had a connection with him. And I'd been noticing a trend with uh, some of my most recent musical guests that a lot of them are usually really busy touring the country and definitely too busy to come on my little old podcast. But because of COVID-19, a lot of them can't. And they can't tour and they're itching to do something creative. So I just shot in the dark. I reached out to my buddy Shay and he proposed it to Ryan and for some reason, he agreed to it. <laughs> and, you know, I've been watching Ryan perform for almost 20 years now. So it was it was a little bit surreal to sit across the table from somebody that you've watched perform from the crowd for so long and to have a chat like we did. And uh, I went back and I listened to the podcast before I recorded this intro today. And uh, I feel like I was a bit shook right when he got there and right when we started, just because of what I just mentioned. Uh, but once we got in our groove, I think it, I think it was fantastic. It was an awesome chat. And uh, so, you know, riding a little bit of that momentum after I got back from Charleston, I texted my buddy, Wes Bailey, from the band Moon Taxi. And uh, I asked if he wanted to be the podcast after Ryan Stasek, uh, come on the week after. And, and Wes said, yeah. So Wes happened to be in Knoxville, he, visiting from Nashville, visiting his family. And, uh, and he came in, uh, yesterday and we recorded another gem of a podcast. So be sure to check back next week for Wes Bailey's podcast. But before you do that, I would like to introduce my conversation with Mr. Ryan Stasek. We're doing the podcast. Too far up because it's hard to, it's hard to get it if it clips. Yeah. You don't right. want you don't want that gain going up. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, man, thank you so much for doing this. I really yeah. appreciate it. No I, worries, man. Appreciate it a I'm lot. Down the street. I'm here. I'm happy. I All didn't right. know you were so close. Yeah. I just knew you lived in Charleston. Yeah. The goal was to get to the beach. I mean, we're rolling, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. The goal was always to get to the beach when I got when when we came here from from Chicago. So 
finally got to the beach. So you work from, you can, I mean, you're on, you, you go on tour, right? So it doesn't really matter where you live. <laughs> um, I used to go on tour. Current, <laughs> currently do not. Uh, but yeah, we can be, you know, it's very interesting because moving forward after COVID-19 here, um, I lived at airports. Yeah. You know, and I assume music venues and even airports are probably going to be some of the slower or last places to, I mean, people, if people need to travel, airports might, might uh, open up, but, um, you know, TSA, pat downs, flying in a tube with people, people from all over the place going everywhere. Is that safe? Yeah, right. Lots of unanswered questions to what touring would be because we're not in the same city where we could jump in a van or an RV or a Sprinter Mm -hmm. and just take off from Chicago like we, like we used to. But is that in play? If if it, if it no, I mean yeah. we're all over. Yeah. We have a keyboard player in L.A. We have drummers in Nashville. We have guitar players in Chicago and Michigan, and I'm down here in South Carolina. So we're all over the United States. Are you the only one from the from the band that lives down here? And, and our manager and your manager too. Yep. Okay, yep. cool. When'd you move down here? Um, 2012 in December. Gotcha. <laughs> I bleed black and gold. Because I'm from Pittsburgh. Love it. My whole family is from Pittsburgh, born and raised there with with all of my family members, uh, the majority of them. Um, Just raised on Steelers, Penguins, you know, all things Pittsburgh, Pirates. Um, When I was almost 12 in 1988, we moved to Michigan, Kalamazoo. Okay. So my sister and I and my mom and dad moved to Michigan. And that was interesting because ages 12 to 18 are formidable years growing up, you know, and, and we didn't have any family um, couldn't go to grandma's or your cousins yeah. or your aunts or your uncles. So you kind of took those it's things tough. for granted. Um, so it was a, <clears throat> an adjustment. My sister and I became closer because of it. So spent those years in Kalamazoo, Michigan, went to Notre Dame yeah. and, and graduated high school in 1995. And then Notre Dame is where Umphrey's McGee started. Gotcha. I knew I wanted to play music since I was probably five years old. Yeah. Um, when I got to college, I was unsure of which path I would take. I thought it was... For a short period, I thought I was going to be a neurosurgeon. Then nice. I thought I was going to be an orthodontist. Then I thought I was going to, then uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I didn't do well in my early classes, but music was always part of my passion, even though I didn't study it. Gotcha. So I ended up majoring in Japanese and majoring in marketing. So I got a double major in Japanese marketing, but I met the guys in Umphrey's um, while I was living on campus my freshman, sophomore year. Gotcha. And in 97, we were jamming together. We became a band in 98. Awesome. Legitimate. Yep. And then we all moved to Chicago to um, try and be in a band and and make it gotcha. without getting uh, side jobs or, 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 or any side gigs. It was just pure focus. Of, there was work, right? Um, we barely made rent yeah. several times, but you know the, the two guitar players were married. So they lived up in Wrigleyville gotcha. uh, with their wives. And the four of us lived in... Um, a brownstone in Chicago, up up in Wrigleyville. So you guys, the band lived together. The band lived together, and yeah. it was it was typical. Like uh, yeah. our keyboard player Joel, he was kind of the manager in the beginning, yeah. and he did all the bookings. He did all. The, yeah. He was the one who had the payments. Uh, we would do routings. And we you know we played Chicago, Milwaukee, Kalamazoo, yeah. just that area, South Bend. Was it um, college band type stuff playing it, parties and at Notre Dame? It was for yeah. sure because we we hadn't written too much original music, so yeah, we so definitely covers. play parties and they'd charge per cup or. It'd be free or, or yeah. we'd do bar gigs where you get the cover and it was $3. Yeah. 
I had, but it was just playing for free beer. Yeah, you, you, know, you got the door. They wanted to sell the beer. Yeah, 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 and get people in. And it was the same group of people that kept coming in because Notre Dame is not a, a large, uh, it's not a large school in general, but it's not a, a large music school either. So you guys got a following pretty quick then? Or? I mean, you know. Um, or was it just people who were, it was who just, yeah, it was your buddies? It was your friends. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're going to, cool. if you're, if we're going to stereotype or generalize, it was the drunks who liked uh, jam band music. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of drunk hippies. Yeah. If there was a such thing as a hippie. Yeah. I don't sure. want to stereotype. I right. want to say, yeah. you yeah. know, it was our friends. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So, so back to, back to you in, in your personal trip. Yeah. So you, you, how long were you in, in Pittsburgh? Until I was 11. Until you were 11. Yeah. And then uh, you moved to Kalamazoo. Is it dad's job that got yep. you guys? Dad's moved? job did that. Did he work uh, in the auto stuff? Or no, hospital no? administration. Oh, dude, my dad's a uh, nursing home administrator. Oh, so no. kind of the same deal. Yeah. I, I mean, there was a group of guys that kind of migrated from Pittsburgh to Kalamazoo that all worked for um, the same hospital in the administration. Oh, gotcha. They kind of okay. brought the team up there. Yeah. Um, you know, but I was very fortunate. There's a lot of longevity on my mom's side. I had two great grandmas. One was a uh, hundred years old and 12 days. And my other great grandma was at my graduation for Notre Dame. She lived to be 95. Yeah. Wow. So I had a, a, a huge family on both sides who yeah. are still very dear to me. And, um, majority of them in Pittsburgh still. Gotcha. You know? So family was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the hardest adjustment I think. Even more, I'm a pretty extrovert and outgoing person. Yeah. You know, I'll talk to anybody and, yeah. and uh, I'm not very shy. So coming to a new place and being the new kid in school was not a problem. Yeah. You know, I kind of got off on it. It was almost like yeah. a new beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's weird when you, when, you, when you have those opportunities in your life at 12 to start over. And then you go to a different high school. So at 15, you have a different chance. Then you go to yeah. college and you're at 18 and you can start over and you start. Yeah. It's not that you don't cherish your old friends, but you kind yeah. of, you kind of, it's a new chapter. It's a new beginning, yeah. clean slate. It's not like you've been with the same exact people since you were five all the way yeah. through college. You know I, what I mean? I'm, I'm a lot the same way. And, and I always remember being so excited about the first day of school every year because it was a new, a new deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get to start over all again. Yeah. So and you said that you had a you have a sister. I do. She's yeah. in Chicago. Okay, cool. And then when so you said that you guys tightened up when you guys got to got to Kalamazoo and and started well, growing up. I mean, know. it was funny. I was just talking to my six year old daughter Amelia about this. She she said, you know, lots of brothers and sisters fight. Mm-hmm. And she asked me. She goes, "Did you?" We were on a bike ride this morning. She goes, "Did you and your sister fight?" And I was like, "Of course, all yeah. siblings fight. I mean, yeah. we love each other um, unconditionally." When we came to Michigan, it was only us, you know, we'd go out to the playground, we just had each other, we, yeah. we, we became really close. But as you get into high school, and I'm the older brother, yeah. and that's my younger sister, we, you know, you, you go your different ways because you have your friends. Yeah. And the age gap becomes bigger. Yeah, right? and, 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 and also what, what we're into, and like, you know, you're like, I don't want you hanging out with my friends, or yeah. she didn't want me hanging out with her yeah, friends, yeah, yeah. So that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Petty fights and yeah. normal things. She didn't like heavy metal, and I didn't like boy bands, and we would yeah. fight over that, and yeah. who was driving, like stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Was that your stuff growing up, metal? Yeah. Yeah, but a mixture. I mean, it the music part is good. If, if Let's go back with that. So when I was in Pittsburgh, yeah. it was what my parents had. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what you're influenced by. Yeah, what was that? The records, 45s, yeah. Motown, Zeppelin, Hollow Notes, yeah. Foreigner. Yeah. It was all of those early 80s and late 70s um, 45s records. Gotcha. But Motown too, going back. So I had that stuff around, but I remember going to the bus stop and then Walkmans had just come out. And, uh, yeah, yeah. People, my my older, I was the youngest kid on the block in Pittsburgh. The older kids were listening to Aerosmith mm-hmm. and um, the Grateful Dead. 
Yeah. And Beastie Boys had come out, Run DMC, mm. you know. So there was, you know, and We Are the World, Prince, all yeah. that was 80s. Yeah. 80s. And then when, when I came to Michigan, I met a, a kid and he gave me Appetite for Destruction on cassette mm-hmm. and a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> book. And he's like, you're my friend. And I was like, okay, I'm your friend. And I remember I'm still friends with him. I actually took my daughter two years, three years ago to Bali. He lives in Bali. Okay. He has a, a he married a, a, a Balinese girl. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, sounds right to me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he lives there, and um, he was my best friend in sixth grade. And uh, it was crazy. Social media, we, that's how you keep up. And yeah. found him there and brought my family. We visited. Dungeon, we Dungeons and Dragons Dungeons and Appetite and for Destruction. And Appetite for, <laughs> and Appetite for Destruction was a game changer for me because yeah. it felt dangerous. It was rock yeah. and roll. The image and MTV when you're at home watching that stuff, it was like, oh, I like this. Yeah. It, it, it resonated with me. So yeah. the heavier music I definitely got into. I played hockey in Michigan. Um, the hockey probably helped um, stimulate some of that aggressive music, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. and you have to remember too, that arena rock is still a big thing in the late eighties, early nineties and bands that are, I'm in Kalamazoo, which is directly between Chicago and Detroit. So all of these bands that are on tour and really on tour mm-hmm. every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, somebody's playing the hockey stadium in Kalamazoo. See, we see a lot of that in Knoxville yeah, because yeah, you know, Nashville, Louisville, Atlanta, you know, all, all the North Carolina city, Charlotte that are, that are right there. We yeah. don't get a lot of Friday, Saturday sure. headlining, you know, gigs, yeah. but, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, we get a lot of really good bands that are, that are passing through. Yeah. So I get that. Yeah. And, and back then it was Pantera was yeah. playing every other month, it seemed. Yeah. And I saw Nirvana and uh, wow. Lenny Kravitz and the Black Crows and Smashing Pumpkins yeah. and Nine Inch Nails and yeah. Tool yeah. and, um, and Prong and Meat Puppets and, I mean, it was Rob Zombie. It was just, oh, and one of the best was the Lynch Mob with Ice Cube opened up for um, Henry Rollins' band who opened up for the Beastie Boys, which was gotcha. Check Your Head Tour. And yeah. Check Your Head CD is one of those CDs that I would play nonstop just over and over again. And I just recently watched the documentary and went back and listened to every CD in order. Mm-hmm. You know, which <laughs> I'm actually going to do that next week too for, uh, I've got a a road trip. I think I'm going to dive into David Bowie's beginning to end studio records. Oh yeah. Just kind of listen to them in order. Yeah. Kill some time and and get into it. So I did that with the beastie boys, but I, and I had forgotten how important the check your head record was in 92 because it had the punk, it had the thrash, it had the hip hop. It was just so ADD and so how much they wanted it to be, which I thought was so cool. So how much of that did you, did you bring along with you? Because if, if, you know, metal was an influence or harder stuff was an influence, you still had that side that could trip into Mm -hmm. other kind of, other kinds of disciplines and other kinds of music? Well, yeah, but when I was in high school, too, I was young. I was older for my grade, so I could drive. Ah. And uh, go, I went to a Catholic high school. Oh, nice. So I ended up hanging out with all the seniors when I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. And they were heavily into the Grateful Dead and Fish. Mm. And Fish is, this is Fish in the early 90s. So they were, yeah. before they had hit their um, arena touring. Right, you know, they were they still were, doing theaters. Yeah. bigger. I mean, think, I think 94, 95 is when they kind of really started playing all all amphitheaters or yeah or arenas but they were into that so i had both i had my you know hippie jam band music yeah. buddies and then the metal yeah. part too so well, i enjoyed both yeah you know? well that's the interesting thing for me about umphreys is that it's you know it, it it falls in the in the jam band kind of world in some ways two sets and an encore but then you know there's some really hard moments at, at your shows sure that are and and i think it's it's amazing uh, that you can find that kind of range that uh, that appeals to 
that appeals to people. I mean, it's, it's proggy, but it's also really sweet and, you know, yeah. nice sometimes. Yeah, and it's not for everybody. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, I mean, when, when you go, it's going to be emotional depending on what the six of us are feeling and who's yeah. driving, who's got the staff, yeah. you, know, you know, and it's nice to pass that staff around and, and let other people lead yeah. and kind of say, you know, let's go in this direction or, or down this, uh, down this road tonight instead. That's yeah. what keeps us sane. Yeah. Um, there's definitely nights that the aggressive, the aggressive stuff or the metal stuff, um, is more in the forefront. Yeah. But there's other nights where it, it, it stays, uh, pretty, pretty minimal or, yeah. or, or, or looser or, yeah. or reggae or, or, or that ambient or ambient, um, yeah. ambient style music. Yeah. Know? Not ambient, <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not, not a blackout Not the sleep. sleeping pill. <laughs> Uh, all right, so when you guys when you guys got fired up in in the band, how'd you meet how'd you meet all the guys? <clears throat> well, I had I had uh, met Brendan Bayless before, okay, and we were in a a band called Tashi Station, which was a power trio. Nice, you know, doing like a rush. <laughs> no, more band. like you know doing Hendrix covers and, oh, cool. and um, some Fish covers and 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 Clapton and blues rock. Yeah, you know, but but definitely improvisational jam yeah. jamming. And then Mike Miro our first drummer and Joel Cummins lived in my dorm. Okay. So they were in a cover band called Stomper Bob. Okay. So they were basically selling out the, um, all the, the, the clubs because tons of people were coming to see them, like lines out the door, fake IDs, everybody, everybody. And you know, they'd open with beast of bird and the place would go nuts. And it was, yeah. you know, they had, uh, <laughs> they had the, the demographic down for Notre Dame. Stomper Bob. We had 17 of our close friends who were broke. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, put me on the list. Yeah. But our, our worlds collided because we wanted to make original music. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when we started hanging out with each other. And I think, you know, it, the truth is, once the four of us started jamming together, it kind of clicked, and there was a good chemistry. Yeah, and um, we went for it. And, and who was the four at that time? You said you, it's, Jake, Brendan. No, Jake. Jake was later. Jake so was the four later. of us that went to Notre Dame was uh, Mikey Miro, who, yeah. who passed away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he left the band in, in the end of two thousand two. Gotcha. Uh, but Mikey was the original drummer. He was the youngest. Joel's the oldest. He was the original. He's still the keyboard player. And then uh, Brennan Bayless, okay. uh, guitar, and myself. Yeah, gotcha. Yep. Okay, yep. cool. And then Jake joined us in 2001, and Andy had joined us in late 2000. Okay. So so you guys started, you guys got out of the cover space and started writing original music as a four-piece? Uh, yeah, always in the beginning. I mean, we, we'd do the covers because we didn't have enough songs to fill up the time, but we were yeah. always writing, always Great. writing. And then um, even when we went to Chicago, like what I was saying before, we had a basement we rehearsed in. It was yeah. eight hours a day. Play, 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 play. It's amazing. Go get you know, um, cheap sushi around the corner and, yeah. and a case of Budweiser and then repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah, Joel yeah. Day, okay, we got to book the gigs. We got to pay rent and part of the practice space. So we'd pay for our rent to do that, Yeah, you know, and try to keep that ends meeting. And that was the funny part. Cause when you're, when you're not doing well and nobody knows who you are, you can book as many gigs as you want sure. in, in the same town. Yeah. But then once you start getting to a certain level, like the house of blues, then they're like, okay, you're not allowed to have any more gigs for 30 days because we're not going to advertise or, you know, it's right. like radius it's like, like a proximity. Yeah. yeah. So we were like, oh, we have to start traveling, you know. Is that when you felt like, oh, man, I'm in a band and we're doing stuff? I mean, <laughs> sort of. We started, you know, once we started traveling and, and we were all in the van or that we were in a Suburban in the first time, it was so much fun. You know, we're in our early 20s and invincible. Our, yeah. our, our livers and bodies could take a beating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it was definitely paying. I mean, it's it was paying your dues. Yeah, we were broke, and we, we'd have to share one hotel room, and everybody would have to pull the straw to see who got the bed. Yeah, you know, I remember Bayless, our guitar player, 
I think 10 times in a row pulled the shortest straw. I was on the, he was just like, bucket. I'm sleeping in the bourbon from now on. I'm sleeping in the bourbon. It sucks. <laughs> so that became his layer. Yeah. We're like, just sleep in the yeah. car. Yeah. So, so when did the, when did the, the, the touring and the radius clause kind of thing really kick off and start for you guys? Um, Chicago 2000. We moved into Chicago in 2000. In 2001, we went out west for six weeks straight. I was like, that's nice. the longest Humphreys has ever toured nonstop. Nice. And it was even to, 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 even oh, yeah. to this day, the yeah. longest. Yeah. We have a, I mean, we're not touring right now, obviously, yeah. but. We have a formula now because much like um, any relationship or anything that we've been in, we know when we were driving each other crazy and, yeah. and we needed space. Yeah. So we'll come home and drive our families crazy. Yeah. And then they'll be like, okay, go, go drive them crazy. <laughs> and it works. Yeah. You know, um, but I will not to digress too much from, yeah. from that story. I will say this, um, being sent home from uh, coronavirus on March 12th, my kids are two and six. Mm-hmm. And because I just moved to the beach, um, a lot of things going on in my life, I was forgetting how much I wasn't home mm. because I would, I'd get home on a Sunday after playing all night and either staying up all night or, yeah. or getting two hours of sleep to get to the airport by four or five yeah, yeah. to come home and then fly. And when I get home, I'd be exhausted. And then on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesdays, I'd take my kids to school. So I wouldn't see them between like seven and three. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I got them home... It was feed them, bathe them, get them ready for bed. So we weren't hanging out right. like we are now. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm with my two-year-old every day. She thinks yeah. I'm God's greatest gift. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. Yeah. I love that. It's almost this, this um, I don't call it whatever you want, a forced reset, but a, a, a time exactly. out. Because yeah. this is definitely going on three months. It's the longest Humphreys in 22 years has ever been uh, not together yeah. and out on the road. Yeah. So for us to be home, and um, I love it. I'm Dude, with my wife and kids, yeah. and I go to the beach. And we're, you know, of course we all get on each other's nerves, but that's natural. Yeah. That happens wherever I go. Yeah. I'm just, I get on everybody's nerves <laughs> wherever I go at some point. I just would rather get on their nerves. Yeah. You know? uh, my kids are, four, my girls are four and one and uh, I have made breakfast for them every single day for the last two months. It's awesome. Which is something I've never, ever done. I've never gotten to be home with my, right. you know, with my kids and we're all forced to be there. And it's, it's really been you know, it's really been a blessing. And like you said, a forced reset. And it's like, I hope I can take some of this with me you yeah. know, down the road. And really, even though this sucks, not being able to work, you know, just being able to appreciate this time. I know we're going to look back on it and be really happy that we had to do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's a lot to learn from it, too, you know. Yeah. So uh, you guys are, are, are in the van and you're, and you're starting to tour around. What was the what was the first like what was the first holy shit moment for the band? Like, I cannot believe that we're in this. In, um, in this position, was it a festival, you know, playing in front of a bunch of people or was, you know, did you book a, a, a you know, an, an arena or, you know, yeah, what, I mean, there's, moment? there's, there's, there's a bunch of those, a there's a bunch of those. The first time, I mean, the first thing when it got real was when we set out to go on tour for over six weeks in gotcha. a row. And we, that was know, the West out West. Went out West. And, and is that like Pacific up. Northwest, California, the Colorado, whole West, all, yeah. of, all of that, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, Broke. Yeah. You know, we had to sublet people in our apartment for those six weeks so they would pay so we could cover the rent back home. Still in Chicago. Still in Chicago. Yeah. Um, trust them to live yeah, in our yeah. homes. Yeah. yeah. And then go on the road and each night cover the expenses because nobody knows who we are. Right. And we're playing the, you know, we still don't do well in Seattle. 22 years we've been really? playing. We still suck in Seattle. What the hell? It's not it's something about the Pacific Northwest that uh, we don't drive large numbers and that's just a fact that is interesting and i'm okay to know. with that yeah 
Um, now it's more about being strategic uh, mm-hmm. in a business. You yeah. know, um, it has nothing to do with the people of Seattle. Right. Seattle's rocking town, super fun. Yeah, it's just, I love it too. We've just never done well. <laughs> yeah. So trying to do this for a first time, no one's even ever heard of us. Right, we did British right, Columbia right. at the time too. Oh, you know, wow. and it was an experience. Was that it, the first international? Uh, what? That is a good question. It might have been yeah. for for Humphreys. Get, yeah. get the passports Canada. out, cross yeah. the border. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. It, no, it, it was more than that. There's a story to this. Actually, I bet, I bet the um, van got searched pretty good. Well, customs. well, well. The, the, that's the story. So, you know, we were young, hippie-looking kids, but yeah, there was a semi truck with a um, graffiti on the side that said "risky business." Mm-hmm. And it was pulled over at the same time, and there were dogs and the the full yeah. you know thing at so, the border. Yeah. yeah. So when we came through, they took us out. They made us empty the trailer, which is packed full. Oh, they did shit. the they did the whole thing, and we were kind of laughing because they were like, "Do you know what's over there?" And we're like, "No." They're like, "Wait till you see the news tonight." And there was something. Um, guy had forty thousand dollars in his uh, in the cab, and then there was a ton of cocaine. Like one of the like larger ton. <laughs> yeah, like a, a ton. I don't know if it was a literal ton, but it was it was a newsworthy. Yeah. And the the funny part is the cops are telling us as they're searching through our thing, they're like, look at the look at his truck. And it says risky business. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just Give me a break, dude. Give me a break. What yeah. So thinking? that was they were super cool with us crossing. And of course we ended up playing in British Columbia, which was camped out on the beach, slept on the nice. beach. Um uh, the experience was awesome. The money was not. Yeah. You know, and, and the people that were there, I mean, it's one of those memories that we have. I mean, we're playing rooms to like seven people. Yeah. 16 so you people. didn't have a following or did at no, that point? No, no. And this is way before social media. I think um, cell phones were yeah. just becoming um, a regular thing yeah. for people. Like the flip phone may have mm-hmm. come out and if you could take a grainy picture on the flip phone or have a ringtone that was in, you know, yeah. in three little dings or something, yeah. that was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we the technology had not progressed at all. And this was another time too, because if you didn't make what we call bus call or if like you were leaving town, yeah. there was no way to get hold of each other. Right. You know, you had to figure yeah. it out old school way. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Back, like like when I was in high school or when we were a kid, if if you rode over, you're like, oh, everybody's bikes in the front lawn. That's where everybody is. Yeah, exactly. You know? You know, and you have your meeting spots. You got to go find each other. Did so you ever miss tour, it? I did not. Yeah. Um, a few of us did, though. <laughs> a few of us did. There's some. There's some great stories on on those too. But yeah. but that that run was the real eye opener of being like, wow, um, that was amazing. We didn't do very well financially. Mm-hmm. We're all burned out because mm-hmm. we went really hard. And yeah. It was fun, and then we we slowly adapted and learned from there. We're like, okay, so this is a business. We need to treat it like one. Yeah. And we need to become strategic, and we need to figure out how we can support bigger bands that are in different areas where mm-hmm. we're unknown. How do we get on festivals? Um, you know, Fish was uh, was the the leader of the jam band scene. I think in 04, they took a hiatus. Yeah. And that was huge because... Big for you guys? Big for all touring bands. Yeah. You know, we did this thing called the Big Summer Classic with String Cheese Incident, Yonder yeah. Mountain String Band, Michael Fronti. Yeah. Red um, Rocks, right? Everywhere we oh. did the whole oh, okay. the whole tour the whole summer. It was it was a tour, big summer it classic. Was a, it was it was a tour, and we and were trying had, to do baseball stadiums. and yeah. things. it was like a fest, like a traveling festival. Yeah, new monsoon. And, well, you had twenty five thousand displaced fish fans at any moment. Tra- yeah. you know that needed a place to go. Yeah, and a lot of people say that 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 happened when the dead went away too. Right? Is is a lot of that moved over to fish because sure. people needed a place to go. Yeah, and, and I mean it's a scene. Yeah, it's I a mean, scene. It's definitely a scene. Yeah, and so you guys picked up some. You guys picked up some some attention from from that scene in 2004 when Fish went on their 
second yeah i'd say a little bit you know we were definitely in-house i mean relics was friends of ours and yeah and we got some promotion through them and that's very niche to get your uh, one of your songs on their cds that used to come in definitely yeah yeah. that was we have we were we were on the cover one time that uh it was the worst cover ever (laughs) i I would joke around like did anybody did someone take his picture and then say is this good did anybody ask anybody I look at him like this is the wor- this is the worst <laughs> cover I've ever seen. I mean, I thought someone was playing a joke on us. Yeah, and they're like, let's just take the worst pictures of these guys that we can, throw them on the front, and be like, kung fu. I'm like who, who fucking thought of this? <laughs> it's, it's really bad. It's it makes me laugh how bad it is. It's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. All right, so that's that becomes. Is that really when you became like? adopted or or loved by the jam band scene no i I don't know when when we became adopted or loved by the jam band scenes per se but when bonnaroo started yeah okay in 2003 chris myers was our new drummer okay and mira was gone mira had quit he had quit and and pursued a a medical uh degree oh you know and and, yeah and and i wished him well and and, yeah yeah yeah. um love him to this day um he was my he was one of my best friends you know But when we played Bonnaroo, I think it was 04, and that's when Bonnaroo was very much a grassroots hippie jam yeah. band, and not, not not like what it is today. Right, right, right. It's grown. Yeah. So much different card. You know, definitely. Much different lineup now. Much different billing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but when we started doing those festivals and summer festivals, summertime became festival plays, and yeah, yeah. We did Milwaukee Summerfest, which is one of the largest attended two week festivals in the in the United States. Yeah. You know, we were starting to get some billing and, and some name recognition there. So, you know, and that's all part of the business and growth and having deals and and relentless touring. Yeah. We always wanted to make records because it's still important to us to this day to make a record. Yeah. Excuse me. To get together and create. But touring, 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 touring. That's that was yeah. that was just the life. Yeah. And and there was no slowing down um until we really had to kind of manage, you know, uh, and, and this is something that I'll pat the, everybody on the back for, and like any relationship, communication. Yeah. It's all about communication. Absolutely. You, you, we watched VH1 Behind the Music to learn that all these bands hated each other. Yeah. And everybody got in fights and everybody did mm-hmm. it. So we, you know, with a with a Catholic upbringing, we, you know, and having those retreats when we were growing up, when you were told to listen. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to hear your best friends tell your about your flaws. But you sit there and you have beer. Yeah. We call we called it beers and tears. We'd have beers and we'd cry, and we'd say we're sorry, and we'd try to better ourselves. That's amazing, man. But it's it's simple, yeah. but it's true. Well, it's, it's it's amazing that you guys that you guys had the the foresight to know what the trappings were that you saw with other <laughs> other bands. Yeah, yeah but and, that's anybody in in any life. If you don't, I feel like if you let. We call it the Tom Petty. If you let if you let the little petty things build up, build up, build up, yeah. it's going to explode yeah. into other things that are that could have been avoided or unnecessary. Yeah. So to this day, we still check in with each other, and then that's why I think the course changed. We were like, okay, I need to be home with my family. Mm-hmm. I need to be home to help my wife with the kids. Yeah. I need to be there for the kids. Um, we're going to have to be weekend warriors because yeah. if we're out playing Mondays and Tuesdays to break even or cover expenses, yeah. there's people don't go out on Mondays and Tuesdays. Yeah. Um, it's not worth it. Let's try and be as smart as we can and play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Come home and be home Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. At least be with our families, right. help out, you yeah. know, and then take these times off. So, like currently where we where we stood, we were playing about eighty to eighty five shows a year, which sounds like a lot. 
But being on the road for 110 days, yeah, being home for 255, when you look at it that way, mm-hmm. it's like, wow. Yeah. You know, you're, and you're home. We, we write music, we work, but I am able to, my schedule's flexible, mm-hmm. uh, or was, you know, then to, to be able to, to do things with my family, which is super important. And that was, I think that was what I considered success. It's when you guys could choose. <laughs> when we could balance everything yeah. um, and happiness was the goal. Yeah. You know, well, it seems like you guys have a good, I mean, you said communication was a big deal, but it seems like everybody kind of seems to have their head screwed on. Right. You yes. know what I mean? I mean Everybody's I, got the right things, the, the this, same thing in mind. Yeah. This isn't the, the, um, the podcast for the dark, deep moments, but we've right. all had them yeah, for sure. sure. I mean, yeah. there's stories where we've, you know, it had been come very close to ending like uh, in really? any band. Yeah. I mean, people, people, there's six of us in the band yeah. and, and the crew is large and we have almost 30 people employed right. with Umphreys McGee. So, you know, people have dark moments in their life and yeah. luckily we have our brothers and sisters to pull each other out, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. uh, and maintain the, the, uh, the direction for good. So, yeah. you know, it's not been a, uh, uh, an easy road, sure. you know, but it's, it, but I'm happy with where we're at. It's been fun to watch, to watch you guys, grow. And it seems like, I don't know, I always, I know the summer camp stuff kind of, kind of happened and it was, was it Moe's kind of deal first? And then Early it seems on. like, it seems yeah. like it kind of, well, it's both of ours. It's both it's, your, yeah, your yeah. deal now. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. But you guys were pretty, like, you seemed pretty close to Mo when you guys first Mo's started. way older than us. Way older. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love those I guys. They love to hear that. They, 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 we're, we're buddies, yeah. but they are older and they had been around for a while. Um, Maybe late eighties, early early nineties. I could be off by, by a couple yeah. of years there, but but they were an East Coast band that had, you know, we were from Chicago yeah. or South Bend, so we were from the Midwest. So that made sense for us to get on the summer camp bill and mm-hmm. fit because our crowd, majority of the numbers were in Chicago, yeah, and, and Peoria and Chillicothe is uh, just a couple hours. Yeah, was there hours. any kind of mentorship there between between them and you guys, or did you get that close, or? Did you kind of point, look at them and say, here's kind of how they've put their world together? And um, No disrespect on that, but not me. Okay. No. Yeah. I mean, it, it was always just a friendship. Gotcha. A band, you know, there was never that um, take us under the wing, take us on tour, show gotcha. us a helmet. But, but I mean, good guys. Yeah. Every one of them, much mad yeah. respect for every one of but them. But they are older, right? They're way older. <laughs> like Joel old. Like Joel old. Yeah. Us young bucks. So, um, the, so the Bonnaroo thing, right? That yeah. that is kind of the first. The festival scene really kind of got hot right around two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three. Early, the early aughts, it started sure. to become a big thing. Did you guys find yourself, you know, playing in front of you know forty thousand people yeah. instead of a thousand for the first oh, yeah. time? Is yeah, that- Bonnaroo was were, were those were those festivals where you look out and you're like, holy shit! Didn't it you play some sea? Did you play people. a stage or did you play a tent? The first time was a tent. Yeah, yeah, and in fantastic Umphreys fashion, one of the photographers knocked out the power on the stage, <laughs> tripped over the power line. I was like, drum solo, first song, Umphreys McGee. Because yeah. I mean, just to, the first gig we ever played, we weren't even named Umphreys McGee yet. We were named Fat Tony. No, mm-hmm. the first gig we ever played at, our second gig ever, as Umphreys McGee, power went out in the first song. Really? Yeah. So we have a history of, of so uh, when the these, photographer these spinal tap moments that have followed us around. <laughs> so it went out at Bonnaroo and you're yeah. like, all right, we're home. Yeah. We're good. Like, this, is, seems, this seems right. This seems <laughs> How right. many times did you end up playing that festival? Oh man, particular? we did it. We did it like three or four years in a row. And then we played like the odd years. We play every other year. Oh, gotcha. So, I mean, 2004, it's 2020. What's mm-hmm. that? 16 years, maybe close to 10 mm-hmm. times. 
you know and yeah. and, and i was always the guy and i was always i was always the guy who never wanted to um leave these festivals so oh really I, so even though I, the job was done I, you wanted know, to stay. I'm, I'm, i wasn't you know i didn't have I didn't have a kid until 2013. Gotcha. So, 04 to 2012, I was in, and I was like, hey, give me my hotel for the whole time. Right. Or, or camping or whatever we're doing, or I'll stay with friends. I want to see the artists. I want to see the shows. I want to. I don't want to go to Bonnaroo, play it, get in that day, play the night, leave the next yeah. morning, and go and go play in you know Kentucky the next. Oh, day. Oh, not, not only that, go home. People, oh, some people yeah. went home, yeah. which I respect, but I yeah. I was not that. You're person. like I got the lanyard, I got the get, oh, I got the backstage. Dude, I, man. Was, I, well I was staying. So you hung out staying. on the scene, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, and I and it was fantastic. All those festivals, yeah, um, Rothbury, um, ACL. Were, were you guys at Rothbury the first year? Yeah, the first two. Yeah. yeah, the only two I think. Right? Yeah, and it became electric. Electric force. I was yeah. at the first two yeah. also. Amazing. It was. It was. It yeah. was. It felt magic. Humphreys didn't play the first. Oh, you just went. I went. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, that was that to me felt like a magical thing was happening. It was like awesome. it was. It was something was. Yeah. It was like being at you know Woodstock or like yeah. something that the first Bonnaroo, like something but, that um, really felt big. Not again, not to digress either, but a, another important thing for Humphreys as we have matured and. um grown deeper into our careers and, and as a band is that there's the respect for everybody to do their own thing on the side. Yeah. Which I, is super cool. Yeah. And amongst the band members, there's, yes. there's, yeah. A hundred percent. So, so I, yeah, I, I've, I've wondered about that and, and I'm glad you're here because you'd yeah. be the perfect guy to ask this question. Um, it seems like a lot of, a lot of guys, once they get to, once a lot of bands, once they get to a certain point, um, the members will want to start side projects. And it's like, are you not absolutely sick of playing? You know, you play oh, all never. the time. You're never yeah. sick of playing, right? But but it, but why do the side why do the side projects uh, spring up? Is, is it is it the band is 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 locked in, and you feel like like this is okay? This one's good. Like let me let me let me start doing something that's a little no, more experimental. What's I, the deal? It, there? It, I think there's multiple answers for that. Okay, um, one would be you have the time. Gotcha. You know, two two would be um, whether it's people you've done stuff with before that you know it's going to be a side project and and you want to you know you've been on the back burner had some creative things that you wanted yeah. to get out there and do uh and then specifically for me um i mean i'm in four pans right now really but one well, of, about one of them is me, yeah doom flamingo's here i'll talk about that one yeah. um mainly but uh, brendan and i play in one called basic where it's just oh, bass yeah. and guitar but we do covers and and more it's more of a, a comedic banter is the you know, it's like a variety show it's more of a variety show of us uh, of us telling stories and talking that's excellent um you know riffing off of each other um and then i'm in a punk rock band called the hazards oh, which fun. uh our first gig was canceled by coronavirus how mm. punk rock is that yeah that is super punk, punk rock, rock. Yeah. so um that one is more writing right now that i'm doing at home and uh the guitar player mike uh, from buffalo's writing and sending stuff and we're able to communicate through recording from different towns which is also super cool yeah that's excellent but doom flamingo which um i mean it's i wouldn't i don't want to call it a side project i mean it's a real band yeah and what happened was is i i was playing um a late show with my 80s cover band the omega moose <laughs> uh here in charleston we were doing um the chucktown ball or outdoor festival and we we, we, we tend to run into rain trouble in uh in april may yeah even late september dicey so time of it's year dicey time yeah, yeah. Um, I think out of the six times we've thrown festivals with Umphreys here, five of them have rained. Oh, really? Like one at Trondosa was perfect. Yeah. So it's been, yeah, we've been unlucky. But anyway, it was May 18th, um, just about two years ago. And I was having a conversation with my wife. I was like, you know, 
the Omega Moves don't want to come down for a one-off. So I told our manager and Hank Wharton, who worked with Doom Flamingo, kind of as a manager as well, said, uh, I don't have any friends in Charleston. I don't know anybody. <laughs> I don't know any musicians either. And I'd really like to meet some musicians and get in on the, mu- the music scene. Because when I'm home, I'm with my family. And it's not like I'm going out. Right. And, you know, a lot of things uh, even in Charleston don't start till 1045 on a Wednesday. Really? Or, yeah. Yeah. It's a late, it's a late, smaller venues, yeah. you know. Unless you're going to the Coliseum, it's a regular show at seven or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it wasn't like, hey, babe, stay with the kids. I'm going to go to a show at 11 at night and then get up at 6 a.m. with the kids. Yeah. So, I was, you know, school just wasn't wasn't happening. So, I said, this would be a great opportunity for me to, to keep this slot and meet some people to play with. And it happens so fast. It's kind of crazy. Um, the Doom Flamingo group with Kanika on vocals, TK on guitar, Stu on drums, Mike Quinn on sax, and Ross Bogan on synth. We formed this six-headed synthwave band. And we weren't sure what we were going to do. Everybody's played jazz. Everybody's played hip-hop. Everybody's played um, jam band. Everybody's played funk. Everybody's played weddings. Very adaptable. And we were like, what are we going to do that's going to be different? You know, like, let's, not, let's, what, what, what's, what's interesting to us? And the synthwave just kind of, it just kind of appeared and it popped. And we, we, we went full, in full head, head first. We went to the studio, wrote five songs, I just met these people. And <laughs> in a it, weekend or something? Yeah, or just a in a few days? Two days. Yeah. yeah, and it was intense. It was incredible. And we were putting pen to paper, and we were writing riffs, and we were recording, we were laying it down, and it was amazing. And it was working, and there was chemistry. And um, big shout out to all those guys. It's so nice to have them here and be in a, you know, ride my bike to their house, and we can get together, and we can make music, and we can play locally. So that has been uh, a fantastic outlet for me to have down yeah. here, because, I mean, I miss my Humphreys guys totally, but I, it's not like they're down the street. Right. You know? Yeah. So uh, how'd you meet all the guys in Doom Flamingo? So that band was, I told uh, Vince and Hank, Hank had kind of put us together as, as, a, as a super band. As like so a jam Vince, band, as Vince a jam. is Humphreys Vince Iwinski is Humphreys manager. Okay. And then Hank Wharton worked with Doom Flamingo. He picked, he like picked these guys and he said, you know, you'd work well with them. I knew Mike Quinn because he had sat in him with us before okay. at Augusta uh, during a James Brown tribute. Mm. And, um, so we knew each other and they all knew each other and, and they'd all played tons of gigs with each other. Gotcha. Hundreds of gigs. And everybody's like, yeah, we all get along and this, this would be a great lineup. And when we got together, the synth wave kind of overtook us and we just put out a Doom EP. We are about to put out a Flamingo EP. We have a graphic comic book coming out because it's very conceptual. Yeah, We have a set of covers that we did so we can show you... You know, there's identities to Doom Flamingo. Like, what is it? Is it just a synthwave band? Well, we have this darkness, and then we have this flamingo vibe. So we have the Doom wave, and we yeah. have the flamingo wave, and they're equally interesting. Yeah. And it's very much driven, too, in the improvisational world, because we'll extend things and open up things and and and, and uh, see where it takes us for, yeah. for sanity. And then uh, a, hand, a, a bunch of covers that all mean something to us and... You know, getting together and making music is, it's the best. Yeah. It's the best. Like Tina Turner said, it's simply the best. <laughs> so you guys hit it off pretty quick and yeah. they all live here. So it's, mm-hmm. it's you can stretch your legs pretty, ava- pretty available. Have you guys yeah. done any of the um, like record from home type stuff since coronavirus no, I'll, hit? No, I'll, I'll be completely blunt. We safely go into empty venue mm-hmm. and we socially distance. Yeah. We wear our masks and wash our hands. And then when it's time to perform, we put up... Um, Two crew guys are running multi-cameras. We record sessions. 
That's amazing. Yeah. And venues are empty. So it's a large space. Yeah. And we've all, you know, safety is always first. Sure, I, sure. I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to sound like we're not paying attention to, to what's going on. We're, we're being safe and, um, everybody, no one, no one's sick. Yeah. You know, no one's, and, uh, we're able to, we're fortunate enough to have, um, the poor house and Alex from the poor house allow us to use his venue yeah. since the inside's not open yet. Yeah. And we can set up in there and we have a full PA, we have mm-hmm. lights, we have, you know, it's, it's yeah. nice, but we're playing to nobody. Right. Which is interesting. Yeah. But, I'm, I'm starting to wonder how that's going to kind of play out. Like if we, if we do see these venues not be able to, to hold people, what are, I mean, are the concerts ever going to be audience list? Like people racing NASCAR without anybody in the stands, people playing football without anybody in the stands. Like what's, how's that going to translate? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I assume you can do those. Right. Things. You know, yeah. it'll be interesting. But like hockey about- will be the most interesting because if there's no one in the stands, you're going to hear what everybody's saying. Yeah. I can't wait to hear <laughs> the, uh, the talk on the ice. Yeah. I've always been interested yeah. in the, uh, in that. Um, but music's I wonder, a like, little different. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to play to an empty room, you might as well record it and, and mix it and get it right and then put it out. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know about necessarily, um, I don't know. Yeah. So, a lot of unanswered questions. so, so that's a good, that's a good question is how much does, how much does a room full of people, an audience, how much does it bring to a performance? Every, every, oh my God, so much. So when we recorded the empty room, mm-hmm. we were just so excited because for over a month we had been quarantined and isolated mm-hmm. and stuck at home just to be able to make music or play a note with each other was so overwhelming and so enjoyable that you almost forgot that there was no one there. Right. And Kanika, our singer, she's so pro and she's so special. It seemed like people were there. Really? Yeah. It was intense. It was, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. She was creating the energy. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't need anybody to yeah. feed off. Of yeah. It was, was it was there. Feeding. Now, if we were doing that every day to, you know, it would start to sound a little bit like rehearsal at some yeah. point or something, because you need the energy of an audience to feed off of, mm-hmm. you know, the need to feed yeah. one of our songs actually. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where things go. I mean, I don't yeah. have the answers. Yeah. Safety first. Sure. Um, you got to get the kids back into school. Yeah. And once we're able to do that, um, things should move forward, I would mm-hmm. hope. I would hope. I mean, I just don't know. Yeah, Shapiro is talking about testing everybody for coronavirus as they come into the show. I don't know. how. That's At the going. Capitol Theater? Yeah, just, just as a model moving forward. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I feel like live music is going to be one of the last things to come back, like you said. I mean, it's just well, amazing how close people are to each other and the but, high fives and the hugs. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, but what, I mean, if, if you're able to open schools where it's almost impossible to teach social distancing to, to kid, to five-year-olds sure. or, or, you know, I mean, it's, it's difficult, yeah. not impossible. Um, if you're O'Hare airport is open and mm-hmm. there's TSA and people from all over the world getting into tubes to fly around. I just don't understand when, when we get to that level and that's deemed safe, mm-hmm. how you couldn't change things. And, um, make a model for live music to work. Yeah. I feel you. Know, yeah. Definitely things are going to have to change. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's one way exits and entries to bathrooms and, and sanitizing stations and masks. And when, you know, getting drinks is going to be different, rushing a stage. And de- I mean, there's going to be changes yeah. for, for a long time, yeah. you know, but can it happen? I would like to think so. Yeah. I, me too, because yeah. it, I love doing it. Yeah. Um, so, you guys had a, a pretty big international deal that got canceled, right? Yeah. Uh, the the Iceland, Iceland thing. Yeah. Rockjavik. We were Rock calling Javik. it Rockjavik. Yeah. We were, were you excited to... about that one? Oh, my God. I had... Okay. So I flew out to LA on 
I actually back up. I saw Sturgill Simpson here on mm. the tenth. Nice. Bought a tour T-shirt with 25 dates on it that he never played. It's kind of yeah. weird. I have a tour T-shirt with these dates yeah. that never happened. The so, good-looking tour. Yeah. Childers. He ended up um, getting coronavirus as well. So I didn't he, know that. He had yeah. So that was my last show on the 10th. I flew to LA on the 11th. Landed in LA. I remember being outside the bus, and shit was going down. I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know if if we're playing tomorrow. I don't know if we're playing again. So you guys and were going to leave L.A. And, and I had packed for I packed for Iceland. I'd packed yeah. for two weeks, man. I was ready to be in San Diego and L.A. all the way up to Oakland, fly to New York to Iceland, meet my wife. And so you guys had York. a little mini tour going up to West Iceland. Coast. We okay. had a West Coast, yeah. Gotcha. And then on uh, when we when I woke up on the bus in San Diego on the twelfth, they were like, "The state's shut down. Everything's done. Get on a flight now." And I bought a flight. At, I changed my flight to like noon, and I was on my way home. And I've been home since. You know, that was March 12th. And um, the cool thing about Iceland is they refunded everybody. Um, they gave Icelandic airs it up to five years, you know, your flights. Um, all the tourist things were super cool. The Northern Lights, the Golden Circle, the caves, the the hot, you know, the everything that we had signed up to do. Because I mean, this was a trip, you know, yeah. thousands of people were coming over yeah, looking yeah. forward to. Some people, I think, had already gone. Really, some people were already, already there. Already it took there. a week early to yeah. to, yeah. to yeah. do some stuff. I mean, I was going. Could... I was going to go on the on the sixteenth, and um, I went home on the twelfth. So I was four days away oh, from man, being yeah. over there. Yeah. And then you know there was all these conversations. Where was, are we still going to go to Iceland? You know, and I was like, well, my my two year old's not. What if I get stuck there? What if yeah. I get you know some serious things to talk about? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that'll happen again when when things open back. It's not up officially and, rescheduled yet, but you think it'll, I think it, it's rescheduled for next year. Okay. I don't see it happening in the fall. I, we, sure. just, we just don't know. I yeah. mean, even I'm being, I'm one of the more optimistic ones in the conversations that I've had with other people in the music business and um, outdoor things at least might happen first. But as far as larger venues or larger gatherings, it just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's usually right around this, this, this point of the uh, conversation where I'm, where I say, what's coming up? What do you got going on next? Right? But yeah. I mean, it I mean here's, like- what, here's what I got coming up. Yeah. Um, I've gotten very into my outdoor pool chemicals, you know, <laughs> making sure they're balanced. Yeah. I'm like the Jesse Pinkman of, <laughs> of, of redneck pools. So I'm way into that. Like my pH was down last night. I'm like, I got oh, this. Yeah, really? You know? uh, lawn maintenance is nice. I'm enjoying that. It makes me feel like an older dad, hence the mustache <laughs> that you can't see. On you know, but um, you know, uh, very fortunate and blessed to be down here on the beach. Yeah. I go to the beach. I try to go to the beach almost every day. Awesome. And the beach is super safe. Where we are, there's barely anybody down there. Yeah. The kids love it, and they're they're outside. They're active. They're running around. They're worn out. So, I mean, Dude. Mickey takes her nap yes. and she's out and I can relax for an hour. And then when, when seven o'clock hits, they're pooped. Yeah. And that is, as a parent, yes, it's that's great. the best. Yeah. That is yeah. the best. Because you know they're getting up at 6 a.m. ready to do it all over again. Exactly. So if I can have seven to 11 to just, you know, not focus on... um yeah, you know, that part in me time or me yeah. and Mary, or me and my wife time. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, but the beach wipes us out too. Uh, yeah, I bet <laughs> the sun. Yeah, but I love it. Yeah, love we it. only get to come down here once a year and hang out in your awesome city. But it is the week that we look forward to for the yeah. other 11, 11 and three quarter yeah. months. Yeah. yeah, and I and I almost feel bad because I f- I feel really lucky that yeah. this is home. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and um, I know I have a lot of friends that are, um. In, in bigger cities that, that things are a lot crazier. Yeah. You know? And yeah, we're fortunate 
Tennessee's been pretty fortunate too to, to not, you know, it's because we're not so densely populated. We don't live right on top of each other. Things yeah. have been, it's been kinder to us and I'm very grateful and appreciative you yeah. know, of that. But this is pretty sweet what you guys have going on yeah. down here. I can tell you a couple of things that we're going to do. We are, um, going, um, everybody's been tested, which is important. Your who? Band. Umphreys. Umphreys. Yeah. Um, I don't feel safe flying, so I'm going to drive, yeah. um, up to Michigan. That's why I'm going to listen to the... Yeah, the David Bowie stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking, trying to find some artists that I wanted to listen to from beginning to end. Prince. I've listened to a lot of Prince. Prince yeah. was the other one I wanted to go from his first uh, studio record all the way through. Um, we're going to record at Jake's studio, and he's isolated. It's just the six of us. We you miss- said Michigan? Michigan, yeah. We haven't seen each other um, since oh, March man. 10th, and we haven't made music together for almost three months. And we're, you know, and we're going to... Again, safety first. Yeah. When we come back, maybe more testing, you know, quarantining. We want to make sure that we're not um, being smart about yeah, this. Yeah. But it's important for us to record and, and get new material and, and just see each other and, yeah. and play. Just yeah. play with each other. Even playing older things, you know. Yeah. But we're very productive when we're together and we're pulling 15-hour days in the studio. Yeah. So we'll, a lot of new and exciting things should be coming out of yeah. this. You think it's an album or just... We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, maybe, maybe it'll just be the hang and that'll be equally as important, Yeah, you know, but we're pretty good at when you, when you put us in a room getting stuff done. Yeah. You know, we, we don't necessarily have a varsity coach over there, yeah. you know, um, you know, more laps, run your sprints, do your thing. We're, yeah, exactly. we're pretty good with each other. Yeah. We always have been from the beginning of, right. of keeping each other motivated and, yeah. and, uh, on the court. So are you, are you bringing some stuff to the table yeah. up there that you've got some, you got well, some ideas? That's, that's the, that's the other interesting part. Since everybody got forced to stay at home, um, everybody has an interface now. I used to record everything on my iPhone, yeah, just riffs, mm-hmm. and then I would come and show them to the band. And I'd have just like little stackable Legos or riffs or parts. Mm-hmm. Now I'm able to put down drum loops and oh, yeah. A and B second record and send it to them. Gotcha. So now I've got, um, we all have stuff. Everybody's been been working on their own things. We're all bringing that to the table. Like so Ableton or something like that? I use Ableton. Yeah. yeah. And yep. put, yeah, it's, it's cool. Like not only do you get to bring the bass parts to the table now, you can kind of fill out Other the, ideas. the yeah. rest of it. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it's been great too, because it's a nice creative outlet at home to go up and, and get in, a, in your studio and, and just make music. You know, I do a lot of stuff on my own with kind of ambient piano. Oh, cool. More, I don't want to say spa music. I don't want to label it. I don't want to label <laughs> Ambient it. Ambient world groove. You know, like someone could get a massage to this. Okay. You know, I got you. That's cool. Yeah. Relaxing. Yeah. Well, what, uh, did we miss anything? What? Um, no, I think, I think we covered it, man. It's just, um, it's weird times. Yeah. It's weird times. It and is. every, I just, you know, I just preach love. I got, you know, I'm, you, you teach your kids love and teach my kids love. And, um, it's, I'm just hoping for the best in 2020. This was not 2019 was a weird year. And I was, mm-hmm. I was very, for, 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 for one of the first times ever, I was excited for it to be over. Yeah. It felt like it was, um, I felt like there was a lot going on yeah. and it, it really wasn't compared yeah. to everything that's going on right now. Yeah. Well, so. I, I, you know, 2020, such a cool number, you know, the yeah. whole like vision kind of, yeah. a lot uh, of others, you know, without getting too deep into, into anything, it's just like, there's a lot of learning to be had i think and, so too. And a lot of uh, a lot of change to look forward to and and hopefully if people are looking at the love in their hearts that that'll be the right path right i'm with you man yeah well i appreciate you coming by so much absolutely. thank you for real man absolutely thank you yeah man have a Cheers. good one
Whew. What do you think, y'all? Was that was I a little uh was I a little shook there at the beginning? Was I nervous? Did could you tell? I could tell. But I think it picked up. I think it went great. Uh, I'm so grateful that that Mr. Stasic came by. Uh, really grateful to him and you know my buddies who made it happen uh, by hooking me up with him. Thanks for being here, guys. I appreciate it so much. Uh, come back next week. Check out uh, my chat with my guy Wes Bailey. I think you guys will really enjoy that. Go to southofscruffy.com. Check it out. You can find the Patreon stuff there. You can find ways to subscribe uh, to the podcast on Spotify and. Apple Podcasts and all that, and it'll send you a little update when the next one comes out. I'm going to keep it up with this momentum, guys. I appreciate you being here. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Scruff Head. Matt Honkinen. Play me out. Scruff Head.